know, in these days of uh, lots of stuff going up and down, and uh, we need to be um, thermostats, not thermometers. We need to keep the temperature level and not be going up and down, just registering what's going on, but be like thermostats. So I suppose I want to teach you just this morning, uh, just briefly, how to still yourself before God and to be able to come into that place quickly. And Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. So uh, I want to teach you to still yourself Jesus' style. So I want you to just take a deep breath, hold it for five and out for five. Uh, do that a couple of times. So in, hold it for five. As you breathe in and breathe out this time, as you breathe out, you breathe out all your unbelief, all your dissatisfactions, all your questions. Make a practice of just breathing out your unbelief, anything that's bothering you. Just be at peace because God is absolutely taking care of everything. And in breathing slowly like this, we're just giving a signal to our bodies that we're stopping, we're slowing down to God's time frame, getting into step with Him. So as you breathe in and breathe out this time, just anything that comes into your mind that is besetting you, just breathe it out. God's in control. Don't let it stick to you this morning. Jesus, you know, didn't worry about uh, being on his own. In fact, he sought to be by himself quite a lot. You know, Jesus would go away in the early in the morning and seek out a solitary place. He withdrew uh, to be with his Father. And unless we actually make a practice of withdrawing, even just for two minutes, even if you just go to the loo when the, everything's going pear-shaped, just get away with God connect with him um, but most importantly find quality time to be with him because that's what this weekend we've just been through has been all about and sometimes one of our biggest problems is that instead of turning to him we go to the phone uh, and want to talk endlessly to someone uh, turn on the TV as we looked at or wash the car first thing in the morning anything rather than go to God and one of the little phrases that God had me coin over the weekend was, "Say to your next, turn to your next door neighbour and say, I need to learn to turn. <laughs> so turn to whoever's next to you and say, I need to learn to turn. Doesn't matter, do it I twice. Need if you to learn to turn. To turn. <laughs> That's it. That's it. To turn. That's it. 
learn to. You need to learn to turn to him and not to other people. Because you go to seven people, you get seven different ideas. Mm. Uh, because chances are that not one of them will seek the Lord for you. What they do is give you their opinion. So you need to learn to turn. And A.W. Tozer says in one of his books, I think it's The Root of the Righteous, um, that it used to be the creed that the chief end of man was to glorify God and enjoy, enjoy him forever. Mm. Now it seems that the chief end of man is, is to run around the world and add to the din thereof. <laughs> <laughs> and it feels like that, doesn't it? You know, and Christians particularly run around the world and add to the din thereof. We're absolutely noisy. We, don't, we get addicted to noise and, and silence becomes anathema. Brightness. We might have to face what we're unhappy about. Uh, so, just as a little exercise, you know, I really didn't know where the Lord wanted to go this morning, but this is where it's all opened up. Um, Lord's Prayer. I'm going to pray something that you're familiar with, or rather, I'm going to just um, what do you call it? Um, Extemporise. Is that it? You know. Mm-hmm. I, you, t- you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay, I'm going to take that and uh, pray it out a bit. Yeah. Uh, so, if you like to just close your eyes, and I'll just read this, and then you can see how, when you come into His presence, you can stretch out an ordinary scripture by coming in there and relating to Him, connecting with Him. So I'm going to pray. Our Father. Father, thank you for being Father. Thank you that you are a brilliant Father. You have shown us what it is to be filled with compassion and understanding, to forgive and rejoice. Father, thank you Father of lights, you've spoken fatherhood into being here on earth. Forgive us, Father, when we have modelled something so far below what you intended. Thank you for your understanding and compassion for our earthly fathers who made a complete mess of it sometimes. Thank you, not only for being a model, Father, Thank you for being my father. It's so personal, Lord. (coughs) You are my father, and I am your much-loved child. Thank you that I know I'm your much-loved child, who dances round your feet without a care in the world. Thank you, Father, that when I'm round your feet, I'm the only child you've got. Thank you, Father, that we're all only children. Because when we're with you, you're looking at us. You're not looking at someone else. You're looking straight into our eyes. We have all your attention, Father. Thank you so much for causing us to be individuals before you. Don't see us as a clump or a group. We're separate, beloved, before you. Thank you, Father, that you've loved us, counted us in like sheep, 
you know each one of us where we are where we're going you know it all thank you for your interest thank you for your love thank you for your wisdom and your strength thank you for the household you have which supplies all of my needs Father thank you Father for being mine for making me your own Father thank you that you're not just my father but you're ours thank you that you love all of us with the same love and compassion Father in heaven I honour your name I bless you I bless your holy name I hallow your holy name I revere your holy name I worship you Lord Father in all this I fear you too not in terms of being frightened but the awesomeness of who you are you're my daddy but you're also the executive controller of the universe and I honour you and revere your name I hallow your holy name nothing is too difficult for you everlasting father Prince of Peace Almighty God Sovereign Lord we worship you may your name be hallowed just modeling something that maybe you enjoy doing regularly if you don't try taking it on and expanding on it improvise meditate on his names connect with him purposefully that's a purposeful connection looking at him focusing on him making him the object of your adoration getting your mind off of what's going on going to go on whether you've got your mind on it or not and making him central thank you there's something here about um, I feel the Lord wants to, to, to look at humility and humility t comes with the fear of the Lord the reverent worshipful fear of the Lord and wisdom comes with that because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom so if we actually don't have a reverent and worshipful fear of him we'll have, we, we don't have any wisdom um, and also just came into my mind as I walked back in then was this man saying it was, I mean, it was, we're talking about the either the late um, 19th century early 20th century man talking to Oswald Chambers um, 
must, man must have been a farmer and he said to him if you have the opportunity if the Lord gives you permission uh, to speak to my herdsman about his immortal soul then please do so and Oswald said to him what do you mean if he gives me permission he said uh, if thou dost not know that thou hast to gain permission from the Holy Spirit before thou speakest thou dost not know the Holy Spirit that was that was it. What in the context of what it was that was, uh, and in the context of what we were looking at last Friday was, you know, how well do we know the Holy Spirit, and uh, do we know him as a person or is he an it or a force? We were looking at that, but it's this whole business of having permission to speak. As you go in on in the Christian walk, you will need to get permission before you say anything. Father, what have I got permission for? We're too apt to run off of here. Uh, and in the multitude of words, there's no wisdom at all. You know, we do really have to, if we're ones that are given to talking a lot, we need to, to just ask the Holy Spirit to help us to check the flow. Um, because what we should be, be speaking of is things that edify, build up one another. Um, while I was in the bath this morning, I'll come to that perhaps in a minute, the Lord just dropped into my mind, because some of us will be in this place, and it's on, on um, and we don't like it, it's Hebrews 12, um, and it's headed up, exhortation to endure God's chastening, in verse 5, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you, my son, do not despise the chastening or discipline of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening or discipline, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? And I wanted to see how it came out in the message, because sometimes, you know, it comes out much more understandably and he says discipline in a long distance race in this all out match against sin others have suffered far worse than you to say nothing of what Jesus went through all that bloodshed so don't feel sorry for yourselves or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his children my dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines, the child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children. children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us, so why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? And then he goes on to say about you know, the same thing. So don't sit round on your hands, no more dragging your feet. Clear the path for the long distance runners so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. Brilliant.
noticed was this microphone picks up all sorts of little noises, doesn't it? <laughs> and in the CD I was listening to last night, I think someone was probably stirring a cup of tea. Because <laughs> it going tink, tink, yeah. tink, very rhythmically. And yeah. I thought, I wonder whatever that was. Yeah, yeah. It picks it up so clearly. Anyway, as I've sought the Lord for a, a quickie this morning, what I felt he wants us to look at is humility. Um, it's the opposite of pride. And Matthew 12:33 will be our first scripture. I'll try not to make too much noise turning pages. I will. <laughs> Interestingly, he's talking about fruit again. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Anybody got the Amplified Bible? Yeah. Proverbs 11.2, could you read for me in the Amplified? Eleven two. When swelling and pride come, then emptiness and shame come also. But with the humble, those who are lowly, who have been pruned or chiselled by trial and renounced self, are skilful and godly wisdom and soundness. Lovely. I think it's time to turn the board round, if you wouldn't mind. Some of you have seen it. I don't like this. Just the, just the board, board dear. Just, just the board, board, sweetheart. Yeah. That's it. Thank you. This was a revelation that the Lord gave me the other morning, um, because you'll hear it on the on the CDs. It's worth repeating. For ten ten years ago, I ministered to a lady, and I had like X-ray vision, and I could see this snake curled up inside her tummy. So of course, I made the diagnosis that. She had. She needed deliverance. Well, over the years, nothing of any significance ever came out at all. Uh, and then the other morning, the Lord showed me uh, that we are all born with an eros serpent, which is the, our self, our old self nature, the old fallen nature. Call, call it what you will. The old Adam, uh, the old nature, and it's like a serpent within there. It seeks to possess, to acquire and control, and it's always self-referential, so therefore it's love with a hook. It will hook you in. Um, Bob Mumford gave the example of a man hearing two guys talking to each other, and one had been talking for about 20 minutes. Oh, I've been only been talking about myself. What about you? What did you think of my latest book? <laughs> you see, the hook in there again is, is, is back to me. It's all back to me. And the thing that, that actually blasted me out of the water was that he showed me that even the goodness and kindness of the fallen nature is worth diddly squat because it comes off of this thing. So we might say, oh, but they're so kind and they're so good and they're so lovely. Surely God will save them. But actually, no. It's the serpent, it's the eros and no good at all. We cannot be soft on this thing. 
because if we feed it, it not only grows fatter, it'll lay eggs as well. So you might get rid of the big thing, but you'll be left with your eggs in there, which in due time will hatch out, and you'll have half a dozen of the little what's-its in there as well. So every time we feed this old nature, every time we're self-referential, that thing will swell and grow bigger. But every time we look away to God, it's not about concentrating on that thing, it's about concentrating like we did just now on the Lord and making Him the focus. Watching what we're doing, what we're saying, where we're going. Uh, really bringing ourselves under His control as we should as much loved children because we belong to Him. We also looked uh, over the weekend at the exchanged life and that was really quite a surprise to look at because it was a total exchange took place at the cross. We get to choose whether we walk in the old or whether we walk in the new. So what uh, Gina just read was uh, Proverbs 11.2 and humility is the absolute opposite of pride. And pride is, is quite a sneaky thing um, because even people who are um, very self-effacing and um, you know the very ones you wouldn't think have got any pride in them it's actually the flip side of pride is self-derogation because again self is right at the center of it all oh no good at that I can't I can't be up there oh, no, mm, you know they don't really think that much low of themselves but it's all focused on themselves and it is a, it is a twist of pride itself so Proverbs 16:18, and when you'll be, um, you've gone very quiet. We have to ask the Lord to be ruthless with us, correct me severely, and deal with me ruthlessly. Because that old thing, you know, he rears his ugly head at every available, and he wraps it up. How I came to find, I, well, I got a revelation that the serpent that I saw in the lady was not, was not um, a demonic. Um, but also, she'd already told me. I think I mentioned it at a battle meeting, because or, or the last rejection conference, because she gave me permission to. What God had shown her was that she was in deception, and the deception was that what she was doing was okay because she felt she was so wounded and so hurt and so badly treated actually by her husband uh, that it was alright to go out spending money all the time going for t cups of tea and buns and comforting herself and she had really persuaded herself that all this sort of behaviour was alright that the Lord had said it was okay self-indulgence and he'd suddenly peeled it back and said to her, actually, you're in a sinful state because it's self-protection, you're gratifying yourself, and you're deceived. And I thought, wow, what a strong word to use. So this thing will cause us to be very self-deceiving. So we have to be ruthless with the thing. When um, the Israelites came into the land, they were told to destroy absolutely everything. And people say, oh, so God of wrath in the Old Testament. Exactly the same as in the New we have got to be ruthless with this thing that is self-referential. Crops up in, in the most obscure and bizarre ways 
that you would never actually dream, you know. So you, you have to be prepared to say to God, show me this thing, because I don't want it. And I don't want its eggs that it lays. Eggs like bitterness, hatred, um, all sorts of uh, negative emotions towards itself and other people. Lays those eggs. So Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And verse 19, better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil or the plunder with the proud. Has anyone ever really had a look at Proverbs? Uh, there was a time when I, I um, recommended that people read um, one chapter of Proverbs a day, because there happens to be 31, um, and there's so much in there about your tongue, uh, your, your uh, attitudes, um, about listening to what God is saying. It's, it's just absolutely, it's really well worth having a look about the heart. Um, Proverbs, just amazing. So God blesses the humble, he exalts the humble and he promotes them. Um, Proverbs 15.33, open on the same page. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honour is humility. That refers back to Proverbs 1.7. I, I started talking about, didn't I, the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. We can't hope to have any wisdom at all until we have a proper fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, and here we, here we have uh, instruction. We were looking at it in Hebrews, weren't we? That was, that was quoted from in Hebrews, is somewhere in Proverbs. I don't quite know where. Um, but verse 8 of Proverbs 1 says, My son, hear the instructions of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be graceful ornaments on your head and chains about your neck. One of my favourite uh, ones here is Proverbs 2. And um, I said to Lenith, I gave her actually went, went away with it um, Derek Prince did a little um, exposition on Proverbs 2 um, it's really verses 1 to 9 and I'll read you the notes I've made around it I've written over the top God is offering you his treasures my son if and there are eight requirements for what God has for you in his word and they're in pairs, four pairs. If you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, first pair, receive and treasure, so that you incline your ear, that is to be attentive to wisdom, uh, and incline here means bend down and humble yourself, come right down so that you hear, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment, there's an effort involved here, and lift up your voice 
for understanding. I've written alongside it strong words, fervent and earnest. If you seek her and as for silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, you're digging. A bit sweaty there, digging. Then you will discern, understand the fear of the Lord. And what results of that is that you find or discover the knowledge of God. God doesn't give his treasures to someone who is casual. There's no casual friendships in the kingdom. You're his child, you're his son, you're drawn into sonship, that is your position. But there's no casual friendships. Friendship with God is earned by behaviour. And it's earned by seeking him, being obedient to him, inclining your ear to him, having a heart that wants to have the right attitude towards him. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. And the promise for all this is, then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. And that is the promise for diligent search. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. There's an awful lot of promises in that little passage there uh, for if, perhaps you will, perhaps you won't, as Roger Price would say. If and you do, perhaps you will. This is definitely a perhaps you will, perhaps you won't. Well worth looking at, well worth picking apart. Well worth maybe taking as an inheritance word, as uh, Anne was speaking to me about inheritance words. Um, she said that Graham on one of his more recent CDs suggests that you get and pray for the, to the Lord, ask him for an inheritance word and then form a group and see how that, get each person to pray into the word and then see, bring, bring back what he's given you so that you get twice as much or four times as much out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, this is someone else said to me recently well we've got all these bookfuls of notes sort of thing, where do we go from here actually where you go from there is you apply it mm -hmm. since I sat under uh, Graham's teaching it must be um, nearly ten years ago now I've applied everything that he's taught sometimes I've stayed on it for years not just it's not just reading his stuff or hearing his stuff and let's have another tape. It's the application of it. Because if it isn't applied, it's just knowledge. It's when it becomes flesh on you that you then start to live it out. Because unless it does something on the inside, it won't live out and it won't affect anybody. So you might have a pile of knowledge up here, but actually your fruit on your tree will speak something different. I said to Joyce, I've, I've got my little book of lines upstairs where I go when I go to bed, do a bit. There's one in there. It was a, one of these codes. You had to break the codes on the letters and find out what the saying was. And the implication of it was that when you open your mouth and your words come out, your 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 thoughts take wings. 
because as a man thinketh in his heart so is he what comes out of your mouth is what is in your heart from the abundance of your heart the mouth speaks so you get the abundance of what's on your mind coming out of your mouth so you can tell if you listen to yourself who am I focusing on what's consuming me just listen to yourself sometimes um, many many years ago um, whoa, many years ago I'm not just I, don't, I wasn't married I don't think we had a neighbour and she used to go to the shops and she would come back with her bag but she wouldn't open the bag or let you know until she'd given you a blow-by-blow -blow account of how she got this thing and one day um, I think it was mum and dad put a tape recorder on as she came in the door pushed the two buttons and off she went <laughs> and the, the whole piece you got you know I got on the bus I said this I thought that and eventually the bag would be opened and of course, just for a joke, they recorded this. She was absolutely horrified. Because we just do not know. I mean, I, I can tell you, we, we listened to some of that last night. Mm. And by the time I'd listened to that 10 minutes of it, I'm thinking, can we turn this off? It was making me squirm hearing me go on. And I'm thinking, I must realise this is God speaking, this is not me. But I thought, I don't want to hear any more of this. I've heard enough of my voice, thanks very much. That that was actually how it was hitting me. I, I was critical of what I could hear. Um, I thought you could improve that. I was a sham for that up a bit, and you no need to say that. I was really coming in there doing a critique of what I was hearing. How I'm going to improve this, I don't know. I'll have to pray and ask the Lord. <laughs> so what's he say? You be you, and I'll be me, and that'll be. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, but it, it, does, it, it wouldn't do us any harm to just clock, as it were, subconsciously what's coming out of our mouths. Particularly, it's like, isn't it, it's, it's in the Proverbs somewhere, if, you've got, if you are given to, to food, sort of watch, watch where you put your fork when you're in the, in the hands of a, of a king. Because, in other words, he might chop your head off while you've got your fork on its way to your mouth. Here we are. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, Consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. I knew there was a knife in there somewhere and a fork. <laughs> oh dear. So it's, it, you know, it's so important because when God gives you something that you need people to hear, if you're a person given to many words, they aren't going to hear it. You're going to start and they're going to switch off. So they're actually not going to hear, particularly if you're prophetic, you need to guard and then begin to get permission for what you're speaking. I was asking the Lord this morning what I've got permission for. And I'll hear him say permission granted, you know. There was a time during the weekend where I was wanting to say something and I heard him say, no, don't say that. But about ten minutes later, whatever it was, and I don't remember it now, he said, you can say it now. It was that I would have brought it in at the wrong place. So it's this constantly being under the sway of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's that's a progression, isn't it?
Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, do not despise or shrink from the chastening of the Lord, his correction by punishment or by subjection to suffering or trial. Neither be weary of or impatient about or loathe or abhor his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. That was, uh, Gina just said she, she'd found it, and I knew it was in Proverbs somewhere, and that was Proverbs uh, 3.11, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And 12. 12. Mm. So when Paul or whoever wrote the Hebrews is uh, quoting that, he's going back there, uh, quoting the Old Testament, which was so often the case. So we're looking at the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord, which brings wisdom. And humility, wisdom and humility come before honour. Pride destroys us and humility promotes and blesses us. And Proverbs speaks often of how wisdom brings long life, riches and favour. On James 3.13 Who is there among you who is wise and intelligent? Then let him by his noble living show forth his good works with the humility which is the proper attribute of true wisdom. James has quite a bit to say, doesn't he, about wisdom. The wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, then peaceable, easy to be entreated, without partiality, full of good fruit. Back to the tree. James 3. Um, faith is headed up in my Bible faith controls the tongue you see again um, if you've got a problem with your tongue you're going to need to ask the Lord uh, to help you to bridle it what's it saying James strawy little epistle someone said didn't they we put bits in horse's mouth James 3.3 that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity or unrighteousness. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire itself by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil, doesn't mince it, does he, James, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Back to Matthew 12:33. Look at the fruit on the tree. Thus no spring can yield both salt water and fresh. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness or humility of wisdom. 
But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking, ooh, serpent, in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is, look at the progression, earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing will be there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I'm not sure whether Hebrews doesn't go on to say about when it says about the correction of the Lord, but it's those who have been corrected thereby that walk in the righteousness. No chastening seemeth pleasant for the moment, but afterwards yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Isn't it amazing? Such a familiar scripture, can't find it. What was it? That it yields a peaceful fruit, fruit of righteousness. Of righteousness. Yeah, it's, it's uh, 12.11. There you are. See, I can't see it, can I? Here mm. we are then. Yes, in the same same scripture. Mm. Talking about not despising the chastening of the Lord or the discipline. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So what he's saying is, if you don't allow yourself to be trained by it, you'll go round and round and round it until you do get trained by it. Um, just finish with one here. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. Remembering that we're looking at humility, a difficult thing to define define it by seeing what God doesn't like. 16 to 19. <laughs> These six things the Lord hates, yes seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed an innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Interesting, isn't it? Mm. It all comes under the um, heading of humility. And just a definition of humility is freedom from pride and arrogance, a modest estimation of your own worth. In theology, it means a lowliness or gentleness of mind, having a consciousness of your own defects. And that is not meaning... It's not self-abrogation, it's not self-derogation, it's not, um, Lord, I'm such a worm. It's not that. It's realising your weaknesses and accepting that you need to be teachable. Someone said to me the other day, they've been frightened to tell me something for two years. And I thought, I hate that when people come to me and say they've been frightened of me. I cannot personally imagine what's frightening about me, but then I'm not on the receiving end. 
Campbell. Vines says it's low-lying, staying under, staying under authority. And it says that humility also means meekness. So Vines' uh, description, that's uh, the uh, uh, Greek, New Testament Greek Vines. Gentle, mild, it's said of Christ's own disposition. And it does not mean that we turn a blind eye when things are wrong. Don't mistake meekness and gentleness for weakness. Because if things are wrong and God gives us permission, we need to correct. For the person's own sake. If I let everybody sail along and said, yes, sweetheart, that's fine, you just carry on, that's lovely, God loves you. I'll be straight over the precipice half the time. As it is, I have to get my hook out and pull them back. So vines, but I try to do it gently, but if they won't hear it gently, then I have to come on a bit stronger. As Paul says, shall I come to you with a rod? <laughs> uh, it's to be the Christian adornment. It's the opposite of self-interest and self-assertiveness. It is an inwrought grace of the soul. What a lovely uh, expression. And its exercises are chiefly towards God. This is uh, meekness. Humility. It is the temper of spirit in which we accept his dealings as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. End of lesson. <laughs>